You're listening to episode 163 of the FitzPro podcast. I skipped last week's episode because I was sick and sounded terrible and did not think that it was fair to put me in your ears with the way that I sounded. So I am not fully better yet, um, but sound mostly normal. So we are going to go ahead and record this podcast. If you missed part one, that was episode 162. Two, which went over kind of the emotional and experiential part of being pregnant thus far up until I think it was like 20-ish weeks at that point, um, 22 weeks. Now I am 24 weeks and we are going to go over like all logistics, insurance, cost, finances, maternity leave from a business standpoint, and some other things. So um, whether that is applicable to you or not, I hope that you can take something from this episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. The FitzPro Podcast is your no BS approach to seeking out truth in the world that is online health and fitness. You'll see through the lens of the trainer, the trainee, and the entrepreneur. I'm your host, Annie Miller, certified strength and conditioning specialist, entrepreneur, lover of sleep, lattes, and dinosaurs aka not your average fitspo and my aim is to help you grow your mind body and business through knowledge and authenticity so that you too can become a fitspo so because these episodes tend to be a little bit longer, I am skipping all ads. Um, go to the show notes and there are some links in there if you would like to check them out. They will be in the show notes. If you missed part one, like I said, um, this is just really a life update on pregnancy, our personal backstory. Um, make sure to check out episode 162 and then come back to this or listen to them out of order, whatever. I will definitely say 162 was maybe more of the emotional side of things. Um, today we are going into the logistics, the challenges, the plans, plans that we know may change. So it's cost and context, insurance, paying for things out of pocket, being a business owner, being the breadwinner in my family, providers and birthing plans and maternity leave and all of all of that. That's what we're getting into today. So I will be talking a lot about personal decisions in today's episode and know that they are just that. They are just our personal decisions and I am simply sharing them. Me sharing them in any capacity is a privilege anyone sharing anything with you for free on the internet is a privilege because myself or anyone that you follow online does not have to share anything with you, right? But like I mentioned in part one, I think that people sharing their experiences can be very, very powerful and letting other people know that they are not alone if maybe they don't have a popular feeling or experience in regards to literally anything. So that is why I share. Um, I have found that in other people that I follow and really appreciate that and respect that. So simply passing it along. We are going to start off with insurance. I actually have a highlight at the time of this episode saved on my Instagram, which is just under pregnancy, but I talk a lot about insurance. So if you have missed that and you want to know more kind of like detail by detail, check out that highlight on Instagram. Insurance was another one of my reasons that I was scared of getting pregnant. I talked a lot about fear in episode one in part one because we have not had insurance since early 2018 before we left for world travels. When we started world travels, we had world nomads insurance when we traveled from 2018 to 2019 and the first part of 2020, after we got back in 2020, we had no insurance. We made that decision after heavily inquiring 
about getting private insurance because I am self-employed and we do not qualify for like state insurance or anything like that. The cost that came with being self-employed for insurance just was not worth it to us. Again, that was a personal experience. We rarely go to the doctor. We didn't feel that, you know, putting $1,800 a month towards insurance for the both of us was uh, something that was wise or that we wanted to do. So again, did lots of research, talked to lots of insurance brokers, and we decided that we would opt out of insurance in 2020. And with that, in the back of my mind was always the fear of getting pregnant and having to pay out of pocket for that. Now, that was kind of the the bargain that we took was we don't have insurance, but also we do have cash. And so we would rather just like pay for anything that happened out of pocket because we could rather than like taking the chance and putting money towards insurance and never using it. But I also knew that people, I knew people firsthand who had paid in cash for birthing experiences and were able to get close to, if not half off prices or more via paying in cash. So like I was aware of that and knew that was a thing, but it was still a fear of mine. For the first three weeks to a month of being pregnant, it felt like it was Nate's full-time job to call and research insurance options. When I say that he spent like full work days on the phone, trying to find insurance for us, it's not a lie. It is not an over-exaggeration. It was a massive headache, if I'm being honest, and maybe that's like overdramatic because I also like felt like crap in the first trimester. But essentially, we were outside of the enrollment period. So in the States, um, enrollment is, you know, sometime in November through January. And pregnancy is not a pre-qualifier, for getting insurance. Having a baby is a pre-qualifier. I thought getting pregnant was a pre-qualifier for getting insurance, for qualifying for insurance. It is not. Not at the time of this episode, not in Washington state, to be clear. And we make too much money to qualify for literally any other insurance offered. So we're kind of in this predicament. I got pretty uh, upset with the system, if you will, during that time. Because while we are affluent enough to be able to pay for this pregnancy, if everything goes smoothly, someone making $3,500 a month in the state of Washington would be in the same boat as us if they did not have insurance. I'm going to say that again. So we are affluent enough. I pay myself enough that yes, we can pay out of pocket for this pregnancy. Okay. But someone making $3,500 a month in my same position would be in my same position. And that is absolutely outrageous. That's fucking insane. So um, you know that Nate doesn't work. If you don't know, Nate doesn't work. So he had the time to make all of these phone calls and be put on, you know, wait for three hours at a time. And it really just made us think in that process of all of the people who don't have time or resources in order to, you know, successfully have a baby that they want to have or don't want to have or whatever their situation may be. So it could just be like a really super sucky and unfortunate situation for so many people. So that was just like, that was that, that that's another conversation um, because today's episode is about our experience and I want to make that clear, but thinking of others and just the system at large was a part of that experience for us. We were able to get a first ultrasound at a local women's clinic called Options 360. They were absolutely amazing. It was absolutely free. Um, so we got to see our little bean at nine weeks. Um, it was 
one or like one and a half inches long. Everything was right on schedule as far as growth to that point. We finally ended up having a Zoom call with a personal insurance broker who I found through my friend Paige Major. She was awesome. Her name is Jackie and her company is called Translating Insurance. I will be sure to put her information in the show notes as well. She was able to find us one single insurance plan that we could enroll in. She made clear it is not an insurance that she normally gives people. It is not an insurance she normally suggests to people, but it is the single one that we qualified for. And like I said, while we could pay for this out of pocket and we did pay for, um, I'll get into like at the midwifery at the women's clinic that I would like to work with or that I am working with, we did pay out of pocket for their portion, but then there's also the hospital portion of it for like actually giving birth because they give, they deliver at a hospital. Um, so the cost that we paid out of pocket there, which was 3,600 and that was 25% off did not cover like what would be actually happening at the hospital for the labor piece, which is obviously very expensive. So we had to go to the hospital and get all of that information. So we'll get into that. And mind you, this was already after looking into shared insurance plans like MediShare and things like that. Lots of people suggested to us. And all of those options that we looked at required you to get the insurance or to subscribe to like the group insurance before knowing you were pregnant. So it had to be before conception. The options, I cannot stress this enough, the options for pregnant people are so limited for having the baby. It literally infuriates me. Like that experience is one that I will I will never forget for sure. So the limited insurance plan we can pay into is extremely limited, but it does cover the hospital stay up to seven days and the actual labor itself, but it doesn't cover the doctor's fees, which hopefully is okay because we paid the doctor fee through the women's clinic, um, which is called Cascadia Women's Clinic here in Vancouver, that I will be delivering through. So ideally, all we have to pay is the hospital fee itself, not the doctor's fee. So we paid out of pocket in full transparency. That was $3,619, I believe. And that was 25% off for paying in full upfront with the women's clinic. And then we got the insurance a few months early. We just got it last month or this month, I guess, in August in order to get the insurance, send it to the hospital, get really clear information on, you know, what does this cover? Does it cover if I have to have a C-section? Does it cover if I have to get an epidural? I would like to have an unmedicated birth. Um, and we did get those numbers from the hospital. And for our local hospital, a vaginal birth, not including doctor's fees, is $18,000. Okay. Now, if you, there's a 35% discount if you pay out of pocket, if you self pay. If you pay before you're discharged, it's a 50% discount, 50% off. So it'd be nine grand for a vaginal unmedicated birth. So that is what we were planning for. The thought process as of now is that the insurance that we got, the maximum like deductible and out of pocket, everything we would pay is $5,000. So it is cheaper to use the insurance for that portion of this process the actual labor piece. The insurance will not cover anything else likely that I'm having done, but that's why we paid out of pocket at the women's clinic. So just again, full transparency, 
being a business owner, paying for things out of pocket, limited insurance. And again, this would be different if like we had maybe chosen one of those other insurance options during enrollment period, but we didn't. So just sharing our experience where we're at, 3600 for the women's clinic, that covers everything up through labor and um, actually postpartum visits. And then 5000 ideally, with the insurance covering the hospital portion of birthing. You can do the math there. Um, we've also had to pay out of pocket for a few things. So I have um, aortic heart valve regurgitation. So basically blood pumps out of my aortic valve and some pumps back in. And so they did an extra echocardiogram on the baby's heart itself. Everything looks good. Go team. Um, but that was an extra thousand dollars on top of all of this. So it adds up. If I were to have to get a C-section, I believe they said the cost, again, without doctor's fees, this is like only everything involved without the doctor's fees. So anesthesia, the actual procedure, the surgery, all of that would be covered in 32000 And the same thing applies. So it would be 35% off if you paid in full and then 50% off if we pay before I'm discharged. Really praying that that is not the situation. I am not sure about the insurance and what would be covered there, but at the hospital, it was very difficult to get those answers from billing. I can't stress enough the importance of being an advocate for yourself and, you know, being kind, but you do, or we did kind of have to be like a bit of an asshole to get the answers that we were looking for uh, while recognizing that we aren't the norm. It is typical for them to just bill insurance and they don't look at it. They don't deal with it. So to get to someone in billing for each of these sections, because it's a different person for ultrasounds, it's a different billing person for imaging for actual labor and delivery. Those are all different sections and have different billing people that you have to contact. So again, back to time, resources, all of these things, it just, it blows my mind that it's that difficult to like get answers on how much a freaking medical procedure costs. But we did it. We did it. We have some answers. We're getting more answers. So moving on, I have spoken to so many of you on Instagram who straight up paid cash and gave birth at home because it was so much cheaper and you couldn't afford anything more. Like so many of you. That both infuriates me and is absolutely amazing at the same time because I just, it's cool to know that those options are out there. Like you can give birth at home and yes, there's risks. And again, I'm only sharing my experience. So not telling you what to do. It just sucks that in a lot of these cases, you can feel forced into these decisions, but they do exist nonetheless. And I am grateful for that. And I am very intrigued by home birth. The more that I research and read into it, the more the more options and empowerment there really is in some of these options. But again, to feel forced into it versus like making the empowered decision that you want to have a birth at home is is a different story. And I forget if in the last episode I covered the sex of the baby, but we are having a boy. We did do the gender scan, um, the anatomy scan, and it showed a baby boy. So Miller is a baby boy that is already uh, revealed on the gram. I think I mentioned that, you know, I wanted all girls. I coached girls for 10 years. I was on teams with all girls, um, you know, all my life. And I only ever had a sister. So I feel like I, I just know females. I know girls and Nate has always wanted a little boy, but both of us definitely became more open to having the opposite sex. When we found out that I was pregnant, you just start entertaining like the possibility of what each of those options might look like. And it's exciting to consider those. So 
we are having a boy. That is that. That was one of the appointments that we did have. Cost and context. So I kind of already covered that by going into that um, that tangent. We did secure the insurance. We got that as far as we know out of pocket would be 5000 And it's just nice to pay. Oh, the cost of that is $600 a month for just me. We didn't put Nate on it. It was just for me. Really, we just got it so that we would have insurance for the labor experience. So that covers insurance. It took us going to a personal insurance broker who found that for us. We could not access it otherwise. I do feel blessed that we have options and that we can make it work either way. Um, And like I said, I will link Jackie's information. She has been absolutely amazing in the show notes. I don't know how far her, her scope spans or like if she can work with people in different states and stuff like that, but she's awesome and she's been an amazing resource for this and a breath of fresh air. So I will put her information in the show notes. One of the big factors with cost uh, is this is where like I'm providing more context. So for those of you that don't know, we acquired five acres of land back in September, 2020. And we started building on that land via a construction loan that will turn into a 30-year mortgage in November 2021. We broke land, or we broke ground, um, and our house should be complete in September 2022. So I am not going to say how much more we are going to be paying out of pocket on top of our original loan amount, but I will say that it is over six figures. And obviously, we are full-ass grown adults. And that's a decision we are making. So please do not think I am acting like this has been like bestowed upon us or it's some kind of burden because that is not the vibe I'm trying to give out. That decision was also made before knowing that we may have to also be paying for a pregnancy and labor out of pocket. That's the context there. So just the the stress of the amount of cash that we will need to have on hand increased. I have to say the nice thing about that situation is that it it will be tight for a bit. It will be uncomfortable for a bit. I might be very tight, but because we locked in our loan and rate for the 30 years, our monthly payment for our house will not change once we're actually in the house. That's kind of been the saving grace for me personally is that, you know, we're going to have to put a lot of cash from this fall, basically, September through giving birth in November, there's going to be a lot of cash that's going to leave our bank accounts. But once we're in, the original plan of, you know, what we're paying monthly for our home has not changed. And so I really am super, super grateful for that particular situation. Though the cost of the build went up, the cost of our mortgage has not. And I just, yeah, I'm so grateful for that situation happening because I do know people that didn't lock in a rate or a cost um, and their monthly payments are going up significantly. And that just, I can't imagine that on top of everything else that we are currently doing financially. So that is kind of the cost and context is lots of out of pocket between baby and taxes, which I didn't even get into, but I will pay a lot of taxes in September as well. So yeah, let's move on to maternity leave and business. I mentioned earlier, I am the breadwinner. That is a choice that we make for our family. Some people ask, you know, like, could Nate work? It's like, well, yeah, but he essentially is a stay-at-home husband. He cooks, he cleans, he takes care of me. He has time to give to other people who need it in life. Um, And so that's, that's the life we've chose. It's funny because I told my assistant immediately when I was pregnant. By the way, I was not. People can choose whatever they want to as far as revealing that they're pregnant at different times of their pregnancy, I respect everyone's decision to reveal that to who they reveal it to when they reveal it. 
But I knew that, again, prefacing this by sharing my own experience, I knew that if we did miscarry, I wanted support. I wanted a support system and that that would be devastating if it if it was an unplanned pregnancy. We know people who have miscarried. We know people who have miscarried after 20 weeks. And so I just think it's super important to have that support system. And the first trimester is when you feel the worst and have the least amount of support. And so I told my closest friends and family immediately, like at four weeks, basically everyone besides the internet knew that I was pregnant and I would do it again. Obviously that's based on my situation, but um, that was a decision that that we made and that we knew we would make ahead of time. So I told my assistant immediately because this would undoubtedly affect her. And she immediately texted me about maternity leave. Like her brain went there just immediately. What are we going to do? What's the plan? Um, which I absolutely like. I was like, this is why you're my assistant. I love you. <laughs> but I straight up did not have the brain space to think about maternity leave until I hit my second trimester. So if you are pregnant, if you are a business owner and you are in your first trimester or even the beginning of your second trimester and you still feel like shit and your brain is not working, do not stress. You will figure it out. You will come up with a maternity plan. It will be okay. And I hope the rest of this episode helps you with that process. Now, I like to think that I know myself pretty well and I hope that I am overestimating the challenges of the newborn stage because I am expecting it to be absolutely terrible, uh, but I'm probably underestimating them even still. Either way, I want to take 12 weeks off, 80% off of work. So take 12 weeks to be 80% off of work. That was my goal after talking to and inquiring with a few of my entrepreneur friends who recently had babies, like in the last nine months, they've all had children. They've all had their first child and they run businesses. One of my one-on-one -on -one business clients was also in the thick of it with a three-month newborn when I was coaching her in her business. So having her as another reference point was an absolute blessing. Um, I got to see her firsthand go through the process of being an entrepreneur and a mom, like I said, as well as a few of my colleagues and friends in the field. So I had these experiences to pull from firsthand versus like what I thought it was going to be like and then what it actually has been like. And from those stories, I could kind of draw some common themes and threads with expectations. Something that I want to make abundantly clear, if you are not listening, like listen up, is that literally no one, no one is being a full-time stay-at-home mom and a full-time entrepreneur at the same time. No one. And if it looks like they are, they have help and you just don't know about it. Either a spouse or a partner is helping them take care of the baby or they have a family member or a nanny or someone else coming to help take care of the child or housework or something. Do not be fooled. Please do not be fooled. This is a reason that I plan to be extremely transparent with my experience of having a newborn and running a business because I have so, 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 I cannot even put into words how appreciative I am of my friends who have been transparent with the help that they have in order to do what they're able to do in their business. And there is this very weird dichotomy that happens when you're a new mom, from my understanding, but you also work from home because you aren't a stay-at-home mom. 
You're, you're a working mom. You simply work from home and you have a newborn. But I think that that creates this like next level tension of I'm at home, so I should be taking care of my baby, but I'm actually a working mom. I'm not a stay at home mom, but I am at home. <laughs> so I hope you understand what I'm saying that they're like, those aren't the same thing. Um, so please do not feel shame for how you're doing, or if you need help, if you happen to be a work from home mom who also has a newborn or even just kids in general, needing help is like very expected in my mind. Very expected. I expect that I will need all of the help. My current plan is to take that maternity leave starting the first week of November. My due date is November 19th. So I will start maternity leave roughly in the first through the seventh. I will be finishing up a Built by Annie launch at that time, but my assistant will mostly be taking care of that for me. So that is a week before my due date. And then it will continue through the month of January. So that's kind of the 12 week window that I'm looking at. I will likely have a gradual increase in workflow, maybe starting mid January. January, but I have planned all of my launches and everything around that 12 weeks. And it's very hard to make these plans because you just don't know anything until you're in the thick of it. Like I'm, I'm pretty uh, aware of the fact that I know nothing. Um, so I'm trying to be as prepared as I can and have different backup plans while also knowing that like those are very loose and we will see what happens in order to just survive. My theory is that I might want to go back to work sooner on certain things, but I want to let that be a choice. That's the goal. I want to, if I'm going to go back to work within that 12 weeks, I want it to be because I want to, not because I have to, not because it's an actual demand or need of me. That's the overarching theme and the goal of my maternity leave. Aside from maternity leave, I started stressing out about my business and what portions of my business needed to stay or go or to be delegated once the baby comes. I certainly do not have all of that figured out, but I definitely have kind of like, if this, then that situations laid out. I have options laid out for kind of based on the next two to three months of my pregnancy currently. But if you listened to part one, you know that running a business was a pretty big portion of my fear around having a child. So I have definitely spent some time thinking about how those two things can happen together once the baby comes again, while also understanding like there will be a lot of just figuring it out because I've just never done that before. And it's a massive new experience. Luckily, in the second trimester, I have had the brain space and time to reevaluate re some things. As of now, I am not getting rid of any offerings aside from one-on-one -on -one fitness coaching. I sent the email last week. Um, I really let the numbers speak for themselves. So that was a really, really difficult email to send. I have had, that's how I built my business was my one-on-one -on -one clients. And I've been with some of those women for six years now. So to send that email was, it was difficult. But you guys know that I am a numbers person. I try to run my business for the most part as objectively as I can. And when I looked at my numbers, it was like, you know, if I was a client of my own, I would be like, we need to cut this off as far as time and energy demand for the income. And that sounds, that might sound like really cold, but again, thinking of maternity leave, thinking of the next three to five years, it just, it was time. 
it was time. And so I ripped the bandaid off. Um, all of them were absolutely gracious. Uh, they understood a lot of them maybe saw it coming. Um, and so I want to be sensitive to that topic because it, it has nothing to do with the women. I absolutely loved them. I hope that I've made that clear over the years. Um, but that was the only offer as of now that I am cutting off though. I am looking to optimize the back end of a few other offers um, from a sales standpoint as well. And I changed the structure of my one-on-one business offerings as well, because I did want to keep them, but it needed to change uh, in order to be realistic for what I think it will be like having this newborn. So another logistic that came to mind during part one was that we will be in our house a month before the baby comes at least, at least a month. That would be like worst case, worst, worst case scenario would be a month out, Um, which isn't as much time as I would like, but it's pretty freaking good timing if you ask me. That was one of the things we said when I got pregnant was like, well, you couldn't ask for much better timing as far as we will be in the house before the baby comes. We can set up the nursery, all of that stuff. So I'm also 32 at the time of giving birth, um, it'll be close. So baby is due November 19th. My birthday, my 33rd birthday will be November 29th. Um, unless baby decides to, you know, stay in me for that additional 10 days and steal my 33rd birthday from me, I will be 32 when I give birth. For us, we never wanted an only child. That was something that we knew. So if we were to have any children, we would shoot for two somehow, some way. We are open to a second of our own. We're open to adoption once we had our own. So it's kind of an open door after, after number one, being 32 allows me time to have another child or even two. If we decide that I was honestly hoping for twins, which might sound absolutely psycho to some of you, um, even though they don't generally run in my maternal side, one pregnancy and two babies just didn't sound that bad from like an experience standpoint, but I'm sure mothers of twins would be like slapping me in the face right now for saying that. And they would definitely have an argument against it. So maybe not, I don't know. We are the most financially affluent and stable that we've ever been despite, you know, all of the out of pocket payments (laughs) that are going to be upcoming in the back half of 2022. So for both of us um, being believers, it all felt pretty divine um, and was hard to argue from a timing standpoint in our lives. Uh, It felt as though for us, Jesus was saying to me like, okay, Annie, you got all your ducks in a row. I've let you set up all of these things. Like it is time. It's now or never. You're having a baby. Uh, And we would have been fine and figured it out even if it happened at any point in our marriage. But it is my pleasure to share uh, this journey with you and how it's going for multiple different or from multiple different points of view. I hope that it is helpful. I do want to make clear again, like I am just sharing my experience, uh, not saying that it is anybody else's experience, not telling you what to do. Hopefully you can take, you know, one thing from any of the things that I have shared over the last two episodes, and I will continue to share the experience as we continue. I'm 24 weeks right now, and feeling pretty good. So thank you for listening. If you do love the Fitzroy podcast, you want to show it some love, you want to give it five stars wherever you listen, leave a written review that is much appreciated. That just helps me get in front of other people who would not find my podcast otherwise. Yeah. Until next time, thank you for tuning into the Fitzpro podcast.